Helping us understand our need for the gift of exhortation, here is Pastor Ed Taylor. God sent people in our lives to move us forward, and we need that. Someone that doesn't always see what we see. Someone that's not living the life that we're living. Someone that is there to say, look, I know things are tough right now, but here are some of the steps to take to get out and not return here again. And so this gift of exhortation helps people move forward. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You We all at some point need to pick someone's brain or get a gentle push in the right direction. Some are very gifted at providing this for us. That comes to our attention today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're focusing on the gifts mentioned in Romans chapter 12, and today's gift is exhortation. But before we get into it, Pastor Ed has an encouraging word for us. Well, Romans chapter 12 turns a corner. It's all about application now. First 11 chapters deep in theology, chapters 12 through the end now, all application. And Paul says, you really want to know the will of God, you really want to know how to live for Him, then present yourselves to God as a living sacrifice. And that's how the chapter opens. And then he begins to explain how that and what that looks like. And then the next thing he says, you really want to know the will of God, you want to serve Him, then present yourself to the church with the gifts that He's given you. And we go through these various gifts as God has gifted us spiritually to serve Him in the church. I ask you to open Ephesians chapter 2 by way of reminder. It's important for us to remember that the very gift that enlists us in service is this gift of salvation. Draw your attention now to verse 8. It says, By grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then notice verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Circle that word workmanship, and you can write next to it in your Bibles there the word poem. The Greek word here is poema, from which we get our English word poem. And the idea is that your life is a beautiful poem that God is writing out one line, one word at a time. You know, what we could say in another way is that your life and mine as Christians, we are still right now, and this is greatly encouraging, we are still a work in progress. God's not done with us yet. Isn't that good news? I mean, like, you haven't come to the peak where you know everything that you need to know, and you haven't come to that place where you think, well, God must be done with me. He's thrown me to the side. I failed too big this time. God's done with me there. No, no, we're all a work in progress. We're his workmanship created, it says in verse 10, in Christ Jesus for good works. And that's why God has gifted us, so that good works might flow from our lives. We're created in Christ Jesus. We're his poem. There's a problem with poems, though, right? You remember high school English? I mean, you were doing okay writing your papers and doing okay reading the books, but then the teacher dropped on you. It's poetry week. And so they throw a poem down on, the, on your desk and say, okay, read this poem and write a one-page paper on what the person's saying. And so what'd you do? You read the poem and you're like, what in the world are they saying, right? Like, what in the world? What, is, what are they trying to say? I remember wrestling and struggling that even after the teacher told me what they were saying, I didn't get it. 
My deal with poetry is like something like, you know, red, white, and blue, I love you. I get that, you know? It rhymes, I get it, colors, love, you, I get all that, but I don't always understand some of the deeper things of poetry, and some of you are poets, and you write down some of the deeper things of your heart, and it's hard for people sometimes to understand what you're putting down on paper, but you understand. You know, I find in our lives as Christians, too, we don't always understand what the poem is exactly that God is writing. Like, what is this? I don't understand. Why is this happening in my life? I don't get it. I don't see it yet. Because there's a part of us that thinks it's been ingrained in us over the years that spiritual growth is always forward and you're running at full speed and spiritual growth is always more and it's always bigger and it's always better and it's always greater. But it's not always any of those things. As a matter of fact, there are times where spiritual growth comes when God, well, he's pressed the pause button on your life. Like he's writing out the lines of the poem in your life, right? And then he stops at just one word. And he's carefully crafting that one word in your life. Like for some of you, God has hit the pause button, just like we do on our VCRs, on our digital recorders. We press the pause button. Why? So that we can focus on what's ahead. So we can pause. We can take a breath. We can wait. We can look right at that screen. And some of you, God has paused at the word forgiveness so that you might learn how to forgive. Some of you, God has paused at that word of pride. Because God's rooting out some things. You know, some of you, God has paused at that word patience, kindness, goodness. And you're like, you want to go, you want to go, you want to go. But it's necessary that you pause. And you know, just as much spiritual growth comes in a pause as it does when you're moving forward. I don't know if you read this recently, but as the Olympics are going on, on one of the games, one of the women's volleyball games, did you hear about this? The woman that was playing volleyball, as she takes that big hit, her wedding ring flies off into the sand. And they're like, oh, no, I lost my wedding ring in China. What am I going to do, you know? And she's all bummed out about it. The game has to go on. But you know what they did? You see, all those games, they're all covered with, like, the highest tech cameras that exist. And so what they did is they took that particular play and they played it back in super slow motion. And frame by frame, you could see the ring fly off her finger and all the way over on the other side of the net, right into the sand, which allowed some volunteers to come later after the game, dig through it, and they found her wedding ring. Isn't that great? Yes, yes. Or no, she could have said, hey, I get a new one for this, but uh, hey, she found it. And you know, there are times in our lives and God, as we are his workmanship, that God is dealing with us super slow motion, frame by frame by frame, so that in the process of God putting a pause in your life, you're learning and I'm learning what it is that God wants to teach us in this segment of life. And let me just say, if that's your life right now, please pull a chair up, get a pen and paper out, and start to learn what God has for you. Because that's where the pause button is. Where is workmanship? This beautiful poem being written out in our lives that God is using to encourage us and uplift us, to, to teach us. You know, because there are times when we might look at each other. Well, we might see each other's inconsistencies. We might see each other's failures and faults, both here in the church and people might be looking at the church from the outside. And all they seem to see is all these inconsistencies, maybe a few hypocrisies. And they say, see, that's why I don't want to be a part of the church because of that and this and that over there in your life. And you begin to use that as an opportunity. And you know, they do see inconsistencies in our lives. We're not perfect. You know, we are a work in progress. Now, that doesn't mean that we use that as an excuse, right? 
I'm a work in progress. I'm just going to be a jerk until the Lord works that out in my life. You know, he's going to work the jerkness out of me. No, don't be a jerk. You know, you don't, God doesn't need to work that out of your life. Just walk in the spirit. Don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we're a work in progress isn't some slogan for a t-shirt or for some bumper sticker so we can make excuses for all of our bad behavior. No, no, no. But on the other side, it's a spiritual truth that says, you know, God's not done. So as the inconsistencies arise and the hypocrisies show themselves, it's good to remind people. You know, I know they see these things, but it's really, really good to remind people that the truth is, as bad as they see it now, oh, it was much worse before we met Jesus Christ. <laughs> the things were so much worse. Things were so much more difficult, more ugly, you know, the truth is they wouldn't believe how bad we used to be where we might be if the Lord Jesus Christ didn't break into our lives. And some of you, you just have to look at your life that way and say, I know things are tough right now, but listen, they would be a lot worse if you didn't know Jesus Christ right now today. Which would be some of you. Some of you here today don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You really have never repented of your sins. You you really just listen to the Bible studies. You don't leave with much. You don't understand much. And the reason is, is because you don't have a relationship with the God who created you. That's not to say that you're not a good person. You probably are. And that's not to say that you don't like God. You probably do. But see, being good and liking God aren't the paths for salvation. The path for salvation is to acknowledge your sin, repent from it, and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior as a gift from God. To become that work in progress. Allow God to begin to work in you you know, when you begin to look at people and you say, oh, that's not good, that, that's, that's horrible, how could that believer do that? I can almost hear heaven echo. I can hear the voice of God. And he says, oh, God looks down at us and says, oh, they're not that bad considering who they could be if they didn't know me. I'm working on that. He's my son. I'm working on her. She's my daughter. And so knowing that God is working through you, it's good to be reminded. It's good to be encouraged as we turn to Romans chapter 12 that God has saved you for good works and he's gifted you to accomplish those works in his power and in his strength. That God currently, right now, is working in you, believers, to will, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And oh, how encouraging it is as we look at these gifts one by one. We want to know what our gifts are. And we pick up in Romans chapter 12 and verse 6 as these wonderful spiritual gifts. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. And a few weeks ago, we looked at that gift and we defined prophecy as declaring the truth. And God has given some men and women in the church the supernatural ability to take God's word and cause it to shine in a person's life for a particular situation in a particular circumstance. Some of you have the gift of prophecy. You're supposed to go forward and prophesy in proportion to our faith. And we went through it in depth, looking at the difference between foretelling in the Old Testament sense of this gift and foretelling in the New Testament sense of this gift. And if you weren't with us, grab these studies. They build on one another. Number two, the next gift he mentions, he says in verse 7, the gift of ministry. And we also define this as the gift of service. Yes, the gift of serving. And he says, if you have this gift of ministry, then let us use it in our ministering. We define this as practicing the truth. And we learn that God has given some men and women in the church the supernatural ability to serve and serve and serve some more. They're just a blessed gift to the church. Then the next gift is the gift of teaching. He who teaches 
in teaching. And we define this gift as explaining the truth. And God has given some men and women in the church the supernatural ability to teach the Bible in a way that it can be understood in its meaning and also understood in how to apply it to our lives. Now we come to the next gift, the gift of exhortation. He says in verse 8, he who exhorts in exhortation. You can define this gift, for those of you that are taking notes, as applying the truth. We see prophecy declaring the truth, service practicing the truth, teaching explaining the truth, the gift of exhortation now applying the truth. And next to the word exhort, you can circle, you can write these words by way of definition. The word exhort means to strengthen, it means to encourage, and it means to comfort. Strengthen, encourage, or comfort. The idea is that someone comes alongside someone else to help them, to strengthen them, to comfort them, to encourage them. And God has given some men and women in the church the supernatural ability to help people apply the truth of God's word in their everyday lives. They're able to say, this is what the Bible says, this is what it means, and this is what it looks like in your life. And so a lot of the gift of exhortation operates within the realm of one-on-one ministry, of biblical discipleship, biblical counseling, helping people grow in their faith. A lot of this gifting, that's how it comes out, where you're just ministering to people one-on-one in a small group where this gift of exhortation comes out to apply the truth in particular areas. You can actually look at this gift as a gift of and a gifting in discipleship. Because if you've ever heard that word, discipleship and discipler, what is a discipler? But someone who comes alongside another believer to help them grow, to help them understand the Bible. Sometimes you might hear the word discipler be referred to as a spiritual mentor. And really all it is is a discipler, someone who would come alongside and help advise you, answer your questions, and lead you in your Christian life, lead you to the Lord, lead you to the Lord continually, not just in salvation, but in your life. So when you look at the gift of exhortation in a person's life, the gift of exhortation, the Christian who has that gift is divinely gifted with this special ability to move people forward. And I want you to see this picture because there's two giftings that work hand in hand. We have people that just seem to have this divine gifting of encouragement and then people that just seem to have this divine gifting of exhortation. And let me just say, between the gift of encouragement and the gift of exhortation, almost all of us love the gift of encouragement, but we're not too excited about the gift of exhortation, and I'll explain in just a moment. You see, the gift of encouragement comes into your life when you're bummed out and you're beat up. You're kind of in this place where things aren't going so well, things are on the rocks, I'm not walking with the Lord as strong as I want to be, things aren't happening with my kids the way I like, things aren't happening at work, and before you know it, you just get to this funk where you're all discouraged and bummed out. And you have a few friends that have talked to you about it, but you haven't really responded to them. And and you sort of set up, if you're not careful, a little pity party, and you're inviting other people to come, and nobody wants to come. Nobody wants to be a part of your pity party, and so they don't show up. But what God does is he sends you someone with the gift of encouragement. And they come into your life and you go, you know, things are going to be okay. Things are going to be just fine. God is on the throne. Don't look at it this way. Look at it that way. And they begin to encourage you, and you're like, yes, I feel better. Thank you for coming into my life. I feel better. Then the person with the gift of encouragement moves on. But see, you need a little bit more than just encouragement. Because the person with the gift of encouragement, what they do in our lives, they lift us up. And we need that from time to time. We just need somebody to lift us up, somebody to tell us the good news, someone to remind us of the faithfulness of God and lift us up. But then God will send somebody with the gift of exhortation. And their motive isn't to lift you up. Their motive is to push you on. 
They want us to get up from this situation. They don't want us to stay here. They know if we stay here and we become stale in our walk, we become stagnant in our walk, then we're going to become stuck here and we're going to start the pity party all over again in the morning. So God's going to send somebody that says, no, 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 come on, let's move on. Let's move on. It's not enough just to feel good about yourself. you got to move on in the things of the Lord. Make this decision. Watch out over here. Memorize this first. Go to church. Get to the prayer meeting. And you know what? We don't like to be pushed around. Right? Do you like to, who likes to be pushed around? Anyone? Yes? No? <laughs> of course not. None of us really like to be pushed around. And we will often misunderstand the pushing on with being pushed around. See, God sent people in our lives to move us forward, and we need that. Someone that doesn't always see what we see. Someone that's not living the life that we're living. Someone that is there to say, look, I know things are tough right now, but here are some of the steps to take to get out and not return here again. And so this gift of exhortation helps people move forward. You see, a person with the gift of exhortation loves people. You love to talk to people. You love being around people. You love to encourage people. You especially love those one-on-one times. You're more apt to answer your phone. You're more quick to answer your email. You just love to connect with people with the things of God. And your gifting is such where you're always moving them forward, always telling the truth. Exhorters happen to be available people. You tend to be more available than others. You seem to always be ready to meet with someone. You seem to be always ready to change your schedule so that you can meet with someone and still accomplish what you need to accomplish. You're more available than most. Exhorters tend to have this God-given ability to see potential in people that other people would overlook. Like other people get caught up in the situation, but the person with the gift of exhortation sees more than meets the eye. They see more in you than you even see in yourself. And that's what they're trying to take you to. They say, oh, your life can be so much more. Your marriage could be so much more. Your parenting can be so much more. Your singleness can be so much more. All the while, maybe in your mind, you're fighting that. And you might be saying to an exhorter, you don't understand. You don't live my life. You don't see what's going on. You don't in my house. You don't know what's in my mind. You don't know my past. Often those responses come up when an exhorter's in your life. Where you're putting up a fight, but they want to take you forward in the things of the Lord. Exhorters are so precious in the church. Generally, those with the gift of exhortation are more sensitive to people's feelings. So that when they're talking, they're very careful and thoughtful on what they say and how they choose to present the truth in a given situation. For example, you may meet an exhorter and in the conversation as it's getting a little difficult and you could tell things are getting a little stressful, a little tense, that the person you're talking to, the person with the gift of exhorting, might be quiet in an uncomfortable quietness. And you're like, why aren't you answering? And they might say something, well... I'm trying to find the best words to say this. And they're very, very careful because they know they're only going to get one shot with you and they don't want to offend. They recognize the difficulty, but at the same time, they also recognize that if you will just take good biblical counsel and obey it, you can get through this. And so they might say from time to time, I'm just trying to figure out the best words. Give me a moment. Let me think through it. You know, a lot of times you think the gift of exhortation is in your face and it's always coming down on you. Not at all. That's very rare. Most of the time, the gift of exhortation just coming out in everyday conversation. Hey, you're starting to talk about a situation, and as you're talking about it, biblical counsel starts to flow, and it's very natural, very normal. It's not always in your face, although there may be times where there needs to be a sternness to the conversation. And of course, we don't like that either, and we really need to be open to this gifting in our lives. 
and set our own feelings aside so that we can grow in the things of God. Exhorters are very, very able to see past the outward. They're not tripped up by what the situation is. They can see past the outward and see the problems in people's lives at the root. That's what they're always trying to get to the root. I see this is where, but what's the root? How come you keep getting here all the time? Why does the theme of your life always seem to be, why is it you come and go, oh, somebody's gossiping about me. And it's like, well, why, well, what's going on here? And as you start to think about it and start to root it out, we find out that you're a gossip and that's really the root. So you've created an environment where you're just surrounded by people that gossip and of course they're going to gossip about you. And so you got to be careful there. And the root of it is, is what is your life doing? And again, these things make someone uncomfortable because exhorters are always trying to get to the point of the matter so that we can take that point and crucify it under the Lord so that we can live our lives without wasting time. So on the one hand, we're like, oh, Lord, we need that gift. And on the other hand, we're like, I don't like that gift too much. But we need it. We need to be told the truth. Sometimes this gift is confused with the gift of teaching when it really isn't the gift of teaching. It's not that you can exposit the entire Bible and put all the themes together and teach on a regular basis from a pulpit or somewhere. Sometimes people with the gift of exhortation think they actually have the gift of teaching when in reality, their gifting of exhortation would be better suited within a home Bible study, leading a home group, teaching a class, ministering in a, in a smaller ministry with a smaller group of people. And it's not the gift of teaching. They're very distinct even though sometimes they overlap, but sometimes you teach through the gifting of exhortation. And so you want to be careful. And this is really cool to see because as our church continues to grow, as God continues to add daily such as should be saved, one of the things about people with the gift of exhortation, one of the things you can start looking for in your life, very particularly, is when people are getting saved, that moves you. More on this gift of exhortation next time on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to Romans. Remember, you can access these programs online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our app. Pastor Ed, for those who are new to this gift of exhortation, can you give them a couple of steps they can take before exercising their gift? Should they wait until they're approached with a question or issue or pray and wait for a prompting? Let me just say the gift of exhortation is not one of the more popular gifts, Larry, that God gives. An exhortation can go one of two ways. It can be a strong word, speaking forth the word of God strongly, but it can also be interpreted as speaking forth the word of God in an encouraging way. And so depending on how what word God has given to you, uh, here are a couple steps to take and to consider before you exercise that gift. Number one is be prayerful. Be prayerful. And number two, be careful. First of all, prayerful. And that is receiving that confirmation from the Spirit that this is from Him for the person or for the group or even for your own heart, right? So we want to be in prayer that the Lord would soften us, prepare us, give us the right words. And then secondly, we want to be careful so that when we do deliver it, that we want to be carefully to deliver it by loving the other person, having their best interests. Like, we don't want to go around with our finger out, hyper-judgmental. That's not the gift of exhortation. That's the flesh. But when the gift of exhortation is used, whether it's a strong word or an encouraging word, it's used in such a way to speak forth the Word of God specifically to the heart of the person and the heart of the matter. So praying, waiting, being careful, but then being obedient is the final step. Just do it. Reach out, give that word, give it in love, give it in the fruit of the Spirit, but also truthful. And I know it's not always popular. That's why people don't use it. 
and why people don't covet the gift of exhortation. But in the even though it's not popular, it's always powerful and can cut right to the heart of the matter in a very quick way to free someone to do what God has called them to do. So good. That is very helpful. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to people all across the world, but we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come alongside us with financial and or prayerful support. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. And if you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. And as you give $25 or more today, request a copy of the book, Love, The More Excellent Way, authored by Pastor Chuck Smith. Ask 10 people on the street what love is, and you might get 10 different answers. So what is love? See how God answers that question in this wonderful book enjoyed by many. Again, call 877-30-GRACE, and we can take your resource request. We'll have another study in Romans for you tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Blessings to you. This is a messing grace. This is a Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 